Becoming a Praying Church. That's what this series is that we're going for. Um, at the moment, as I was saying, you know, we don't preach just for the sake of having sermons. We preach for change. We want to see this become a living, breathing reality in our church, that we as a people become a praying people. No, we're not already, but it's like stepping into the more of that. Um, and we looked at first move prayer when we first gathered in the new year, making prayer our first move um, and not turning to endless other resources and at the last moment turn to prayer, but making prayer our first move. Secondly, we looked at devotional prayer last week um, and looking particularly at some of the blockages, some of the, tr- the things we can fall into that pull us away from an intimate devotional life with Jesus. So do go back and listen to those talks if you're up for that. It would be really helpful to track the whole thing uh, together as a, as a community. Today we're looking at maturing prayer, maturing prayer, which I think is something I've made up, but um, it's, it, you'll understand it, I think, by the end. Let me read from uh, the Bible, Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the the pot he was shaping from, the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Interesting, we were just singing in worship about casting ourselves into the hands of God, you know, to refine us as he sees fit. Interesting. So he shaped the clay, formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. So, Prayer, I want to say today, is the means by which life's events mature us and not just age us. Prayer is the vehicle, it's the means, it's what we do to ensure that life's events, the good, the bad, the ugly, the confusing or whatever, um, mature us and not just age us. Because we're all aging, right? That's happening. Yep, loose, yeah, three kids down and we're, um, two kids down actually. <laughs> I'm three kids down and that's definitely, it's definitely aging. Um, so we're all aging, we're all living life, things are happening all of the time, we're going through life's events, that's not negotiable, that's going to be happening. And they're going to be impacting us, they're going to be affecting us, they're going to be, the pot's on the wheel and it is spinning, is the news, news flash. Uh, and, uh, and, and so we're being shaped. Um, and, and I think prayer is the means by which we take those events in life and we allow them to shape us as he sees fit, so to speak, like clay in the hands of the potter. Prayer is how we walk down to the potter's house and allow ourselves to be shaped by in him into who he wants us to be. Prayer is the means by which life's events mature us and not just age us. I had this picture thinking about maturity of whenever I take the kids um, playing in like a big park, they will run past, like going to climb trees, uh, they will run past the young trees. Um, They're sort of like skinny and they're kind of like quite clean, they're quite uninteresting, they're quite strong, but they're, you know, they're just not that interesting to play in. Um, They'll run straight past that and they'll run over to old trees with nooks and crannies and twists and knots and scarring uh, and intriguing bark and the colours and all of this sort of stuff and low-hanging branches that are all twisted and they hang like this, whatever. You, can, you get the picture. That's, that's where they want to climb. And they, come, they go run up to the tree and they go and climb in the tree and it's much more interesting and be like 
a superhero headquarters or whatever it needs to be, but it's interesting, it's fascinating, it's intriguing, it's quirky. Um, it's an old tree. And so I find my role in this is to go over and just check the branches <coughs> before they come. Or, and I'm like, oh, just, oh, just wait a second, and like, just can it take your weight? Can it take your weight? Because it's old, and it's twisted, and it's cool, and it's interesting, but they can, the branches basically, I've found, are two categories for these old, beautiful trees. They're either brittle, or they're strong inside. Um, and, and so I go and check, and I just bounce that, that, that branch just to check. In its aging, has this one become brittle? And my kids, when they climb on it, it's going to snap. Or has it, has it got this strong core running through it, that, and it's got flex to that thing, and, and it can become this amazing home for their imagination and their play. And I'd love to sort of cast that as a bit of a picture, something to grasp a hold of for our lives. Like, we are all going to age. Um, and, and there's going to be nooks and crannies and cracking in the bark and miscoloring and all of this sort of stuff. The winters are long and hard. The summers, et cetera, et cetera. You get the picture. We're all going to grow. The branches are going to get lower hanging, and it's just going to be whatever. And, and, um, and, but in our aging, are we becoming brittle, or is there a strength deep inside of us? And I would want to say that those old trees that the kids can play in, that's an image of maturity. That we, as people, as life's events happen to us, the winters and summers come, with the work of the Spirit constantly at work in our life, through prayer, constantly bringing ourselves into the presence of God and shaping these events, Lord, would you mature us? Would you shape this pot? Would you mature me as a person? We become an environment in which the next generation, interesting that we've just been talking about it, can play in, can discover Jesus in. We are strong enough for them uh, who are coming through after us. Life's events uh, will age us, but the vision I want to cast today is for them to mature us. And the pathway to that, I believe, is through cultivating a life of prayer. Um, let me talk about what, what actually is a biblical idea for maturity just for a minute. And I would normally stick this sort of stuff up on, on slides, but forgive me, it wasn't possible. So, um, strong theme, high importance, this whole idea of maturity, spiritual maturity, maturity in Christ. This is something that the New Testament um, writers talk about all of the time. It's super important. Um, there's salvation uh, and that miracle of new life and the gospel ringing out. And then there's sanctification, which is our forming, our changing, our shaping, our maturing after that. Uh, and uh, they're both really, really important in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Grow up. It's one of the images that they use. The word there is axano, uh, means to be enlarged and increased. That's one way that they sort of talk about it. Luke 2, 52, a bit of a canvas landscape here for maturity in the New Testament. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That word there is procopto, it means to advance. He sort of moved forward, he procoptoed. But then we get into some other stuff. Hebrews five fourteen: solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, Hebrews 5.14. The word there for but solid food is for the mature, uh, is this word teleos, which means perfect, it means complete, it means finished. Complete is probably the best word for it. Uh, Ephesians 4.13, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth, 
by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, become mature, become teleos. That's the word that's most commonly used in the New Testament is teleos. Become mature so that life's events aren't going to blow you back and forward. You won't be deceived and by this, that, and the other. But you're going to become teleos, which means complete, uh, mature. Uh, final one. James 1, 2 to 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, life events, of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Teleos, whole, mature, complete. That is the vision. Take these life events. Consider it pure joy. Why not to celebrate the thing that's happened? That is not the point that is being made. Consider it pure joy because God is going to be at work through that thing, maturing you, teleosing you, uh, completing you. So teleos um, is the word really that is most grasping what the New Testament idea of uh, maturity is. And to teleos, and just hold in there for like two minutes on this, teleos um, is a word that comes from telos, Okay, so the word for mature and complete comes from the root word telos, and so and telos means like end, goal, target. Took Arlo archery to archery yesterday, and like the thing he was aiming at, that would be the telos in that moment. That's my target. That's my telos, um, and so <clears throat> to mature is to teleos. Which comes from that, which in other words it means that this is to become mature, to to become complete, to progress towards this telos. And so you might, if your telos, and this is the question we should all be asking ourselves, is like, what is our target? Like, where are we aiming? Because where we're aiming will shape all the decisions we make each and every day because we'll be biased towards the thing that we're aiming for. And so if you're aiming for retirement by 50, which uh, that is not a judgment, by the way, but just to say, like, you will make decisions about how many hours to work or, or what to spend the money on or whether to say whatever to aim towards that. Um, whatever it is, so I'm brilliant in your craft. Again, you might get in the workshop more nights and this and that and the other to like work towards this thing. Um, and Thomas Merton talks about your life is shaped by the end you live for. Your life is shaped by the end you live for. Your aim, your target, the thing you're going for will shape everything that's going there. And to, to mature is to become your target. To become your target. So if your target is retiring by 50, you'll mature into it, become complete, procopto, advance towards it, and that's what it looks like to be maturing. Um, but for us as Christians, the target is Jesus, right? I mean, the target is Jesus, to be with him, to worship him, to adore him, to honor him, to bless him, to become like him, to be shaped into his likeness, to live in his way, to tell others about him, to share him with the world, to see his kingdom come, our telos, our target, the thing we're aiming our arrow at is Jesus. And I hope it is. And that's what we're going for the whole time. It's what we're going for as a church, Jesus. And so to teleos, to mature, to grow up, to procropto and advance is to move towards him for our entire life to be shaped towards becoming like Jesus, union with him, likeness with him, fruitfulness in him, as I've been talking about in this series. That is the brief landscape of like maturity in the New Testament. Does that make sense? Give me some nods behind them, like all the hats. Yeah? Okay, great. So um, the question is, what, what if you were just 
being honest, like what is a target? You may have a few, I suppose, but like what is a target that's most shaping how you see life? What it is you're going for, what you prioritize with time, with money, with decisions, etc., etc. Where's your life aiming, going? Where's it heading? Uh, and the invitation here at St. Basil's is for it to be heading towards the person of Jesus. Uh, our end is Jesus. And so the, I just think the greatest gift alongside salvation is maturity in Christ. It's to step just further into him, to enjoy him more, to have our heart and our desires shaped more like his, so that we're just becoming more like him, which is what we've been talking about with the, uh, the spiritual formation stuff and the pattern stuff and all of that that's just about to, it's like just coming for us as a church. Like, this is what this is all about. That's our greatest prize, I think, as we live with Jesus in the world. Um, I just want to give you one lens, like one way you can um, get in on this um, to try and understand it a bit better and maybe apply it in your own life. Um, And I want to just talk about the difference between um, seeing life through an achievement economy, an achievement economy or an achievement lens, and a transformation economy or lens. Uh, So achievement economy versus transformation economy. Let me just bear with me for a second. Um, Achievement economy is like this. Um, If the end we live for is essentially some sort of a success, something other than Jesus, and we have, by the way, other goals. I'm not saying just be rubbish at your job, but love Jesus. I'm not saying that. Grow up in your job, become the best at it you can possibly be. Um, But anyway, an achievement economy is if if the end we're living for is a certain thing, a certain success, then any life event that you go through is measured up against that. And it's either this was a good thing that happened to me or a bad thing that happened to me. This was either something that progressed my life and moved me forward or it's something that held me back in my life. Um, According to, you'll judge all of your life's events according to whether or not you're achieving what it is that you're setting out for, whatever the world and culture tells you you should be going for. As you're like, I'm being held back here, or this has been a bad thing or a good thing, according to that. Uh, And it leaves us wide open to sort of resentment and bitterness, unforgiveness, and all this sort of stuff when when a life's event is bad or holds us back and stops us from progressing. Um, Because we all think that the graph of our life should be upwards and to the right, right? Like that's what we all think should be happening all the time progressing, advancing. You know, um, and so we see our life through achievement economy and we assess it as like, yeah, this is either a good day or a bad day, um, a good year or a bad year. I got, you know, you see what I mean? Uh, and that's just a one way of seeing the, the world. The other way is to see it through a transformation economy. If the end we live for, the target we're going for is union with and likeness uh, with, to and fruitfulness in Jesus then every single life event, every single one of them, the good, the bad, the painful, the confusing, the happy, whatever it might be, every single life event can become, um, you you become uh, moldable towards that goal. It becomes a possibility for transformation into your ultimate goal, which is union with Jesus and likeness to Jesus. So, uh, tell you a story. Uh, I was when I went to university in Birmingham. That's where I first um, tried to do university. Went there, a whole bunch of stuff kicked off in life, and it was a bit of a disaster. 
previously entirely um, emotionally, mentally, psychologically healthy, um, but went to Birmingham, had this surrender situation going on, and I just sort of like um, sat under the weight of it really, and I would stay in my room all day long. Uh, this, I always talk about the dark, dingy room in, in, a, in a halls in Birmingham. Um, you know, curtains shut, um, and I would just basically stay in there all day until everyone returned from lectures, and then I would basically sum up enough strength open the door and pretend I'd basically been going on and going to lectures and going to sports clubs and all this sort of stuff. But I was really being crushed by this thing that was going on in my life. Um, it led to me becoming quite, uns- quite unwell, and I ended up having to leave um, university, a bit of a rescue mission by my family. Uh, and I came to live, live home with my folks back here. Um, and on an on a, on a achievement economy, that was a complete disaster, right? Like, I failed is what I felt like when I looked at my life through an achievement economy because um, I had to leave. I had to, I had to step out. I had, to fail. I had to call up the lecturers and step out of the course, etc. tell my housemates, all of this sort of stuff. I lost the chance to be at university that I was so looking forward to doing and taking part in this and the other. Um, I was a year behind now, and I'd taken a gap year, so I was now two years behind. So like, I'm like behind all my cohort, and they're all enjoying it. Do you know what I mean? Just on an achievement economy, it was a disaster. It was a step backwards. It was a failure. But on the transformation economy and how I look at it, I look at it as one of the significant moments in my life and periods of my life where when the target of Jesus and union with him and likeness with him, what I did in that room all day when I had the strength to do it was pray and read my Bible. And that's what I did with my time. And I just had to, it, there was a, a, a particularity to the circumstance that meant no one else knew what was going on. Uh, and the only person I was telling, uh, which is a lesson in and of itself, but the only person I was telling was God. This extraordinary intimacy was being developed, and I lean on that time and what he forged in me through that time constantly. On one economy, it was a disaster. It was a setback. On another, it was a step into. I was molded. I was shaped. I was transformed, and I achieved what I think is a far greater prize than keeping up track with my cohort was I became, I believe, more like Christ, and I knew how to be with him more through all of my circumstances. For me, this is the way that we need to try and um, get to the heart of maturing prayer, and what it is I'm saying is to see our life. Now, this, just to be clear, I don't celebrate the event. I don't celebrate what I went through. I don't think it was ordained by God and created by God to do that to me, but I do think he used it and doesn't waste it. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, in all of your life events, everything you're going through right now, I believe there is a, a beautiful potential within it for God to shape your pot to he see fit, to mature you and complete you, to laos you towards this goal of union with Jesus and likeness to Jesus. And that means no life event is wasted at all. Everything you're going through right now has an inherent divine potential within it to move you towards your target, that is Jesus. And I'll, I'll skip the next bit. Just think back to that tree and the branches and just, you know, life's going to happen to you. 
But what a beautiful thing if you can learn maturing prayer, which is what I'm trying to talk about, which is to pray, to look at the character of God and know it's fixed, that your circumstances are flexible. And so you can basically say, hey, take this thing I'm going through. It is crap. It is rough. I'm hating it. It's taking too long, whatever it might be. Or a wild success, which, by the way, they can also distort us away from the heart and life of Christ. Um, but is to take it and say, God, this is a brave thing. This is maturing prayer. This is to say, I believe that you can do something with this. I'm going to walk down to the potter's house and I'm going to say, Lord, would you shape me into your likeness? Teach me to be with you, become like you, and do the things that you did through this particular life event. Here's a scripture for it, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's followed up by, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Whatever life event you're going through, I believe that that is possible, that you will be transformed into his, into his image with ever-increasing glory. It comes from the Lord, not from your effort, who is the Spirit. So why don't we pray, and um, uh, let's, um, I'd love to pray. Would you understand with me? That would be great. Um, uh, Ban, don't worry about coming up. Let's just all get in on this. Um, I try and learn from the the John and Ellie Mumfords of the world, who, when we were on our KXE weekend away, turned on all the lights uh, when it came to prayer ministry. Because you don't need to hype anything up, <coughs> um, but we do believe the Lord is here and present powerfully. So, um, what, what's the invitation? It's to take whatever life event that you are going through right now, or maybe significant ones over this last year or two, and do the brave thing. You know, we're refiner's fire, we're trusting him, is just to say, you know, just walk yourself down to the potter's shed and just put your clay on the wheel and just say, Lord, would you shape my pot? Would you shape me? Would you mature me?